Subscribe to The Open's official YouTube channel to enjoy the best video content from golf's original championship, including official films dating back to 1970, full final rounds from past Opens, a range of compilations showcasing memorable moments, highlights from the 150th Open, and much more. Subscribe today to ensure you don't miss a thing. You're listening to The Open Podcasts. But he is heading on his own for the bridge, and I'm sure there will be just a little pause. The crowd is enormous. Both sides, takes his cap off, walks onto the bridge, waves, will stand on top of the bridge just for a moment, then walk down the other side. What a moment. What a reception he is getting. Grandstands are packed. The road on the right-hand side, 10 deep. And all of this is for Tiger Woods. And great that Matt Fitzpatrick and Max Homer are just holding back. And the players over on the first. Rory McIlroy just pauses for a moment, turns and applauds. Just wiping a few tears away. It really is something very, very spectacular indeed. It just goes on and on and on. Midway through Friday afternoon, Tiger Woods crossed the Swilkin Bridge before heading up the 18th green that is just yards away from us here in our usual position by the first tee. Brilliantly described by the great Ron Jones, as was broadcast on the open radio, capturing the emotion that washed over all who shared that moment. Tiger Woods has missed the cut, but after what we've witnessed today and this year, no one bar maybe the man himself should be too disappointed. I'm Marcus Buckland. Welcome to the 150th show on day two of the Open Championship. And I'm delighted to be joined by the former European tour player who's still a power on the senior tour, Open Radio's Paul Eels and Michael McEwen from Bunkered Magazine. Michael, thank you very much indeed for joining us. I'd better point out straight away that a little earlier, Paul was out watching Cameron Smith. I was out watching Cameron Young. So neither of us saw Tiger's emotional walk up the 18th. Just how special a moment was it for you? Oh, wow, it was incredibly special. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to work in this industry now for 18 years, give or take. I've seen Tiger Woods at many Open Championships. I've seen him win the Open on this golf course. He's given us so many incredible memories, so many emotional moments. But walking across the, the bridge, there was part of me that wondered if he might just pause and give a little wave. He didn't break stride. So we know, or at least assume, that he's going to come back one more time at least. But yeah, it was incredibly emotional watching him come up there. I don't know if I'm just getting old now. You know, I've got a, since I was my, my daughter came along four years ago, I cry absolutely everything, Marcus. And I, I must admit, there was a part of me that choked up a little seeing Tiger choke up himself. We're very un, unaccustomed to seeing him do that. It was a, it's not the moment we wanted for Tiger Woods this week, but it's incredibly special, incredibly poignant nonetheless. I should explain that we are whispering because, Paul, we've got 
a group on the 18th at the moment. I don't know if you can see exactly what's going on over there. I can. It includes Ernie Els, and he's currently one over, according to the open yellow scoreboards that are behind the green and to the side. He needs to make a birdie, I think, to be here for the weekend. Well, we better keep a very close eye on what the Big Easy does over the next few minutes. He made such a good start to his first round yesterday. I think he was five under at one point and then dropped three shots towards the end of that first round, which is why, Michael, now he's in this precarious position. And, and Paul, I'm not suggesting you missed a lot of cuts, but you can probably empathize with the thoughts going through his mind and anybody's mind when they know that they probably need a birdie at the last to secure work for the weekend. Yes, it comes down to the final hole, but all the damage has been done prior to that. There'll have been mistakes that Ernie will have made in his two rounds. When he looks back, he goes, oh my goodness, why did I do that? So he's playing good golf to be in this situation. So that's a good thing for him to take forward. But uh, of course, he, he desperately wants to be here over the weekend. Well, we'll keep an eye on what he does. And while we do that, Paul, just describe your emotions. I know you were following Cameron Smith, but you would have been listening to Ramey Burns and to Ron Jones, and they were so evocative with their descriptions, weren't they? Yes, they were. And I know how much it means to Ron, having seen Tiger play as a boy when he first came on the scene. And it, I had goosebumps listening to the words of Ron and Ramey. They described it beautifully. Now, what's going to happen on the 18th green? Oh, he's missed it by a fraction, Michael. Yeah, uh, those are the, the fine margins that define this game, and that's agony for Ernie. But, but what an incredible couple of days he's given us. You're right, I mean, yesterday morning when he went off as hot as he did, it was like watching vintage Ernie all over again. And that's the beauty of this championship in particular, the, the great champions of days gone by can, can still mix it with the youngins. Well, hopefully, we'll see a lot more of Ernie. As far as Tiger is concerned, obviously, Paul, it didn't go the way he wanted it to. But did you see enough from him to suggest that maybe some brighter days are still ahead? I saw enough that he was here, and that's the main thing, when he had that horrific car crash. And I know that he's really struggling with his leg at the moment, so all we can do is wish Tiger well, and then we'll see more of him play because his goal swing is beautiful. Uh, there is no question about that, the quality of his shots and, of course, his experience. But if his leg doesn't get any stronger, he will have to change his goal swing. Not only age, but maybe a disability there as well. So changes are front, uh, ahead for Tiger, I'm sure. Yeah, food for thought. This is what Tiger himself had to say about it all. As I walked further along the fairway and I saw Roy right there, he gave me the tip of the cap. The, the, the nods I was getting from guys as they were going out and I was coming in, uh, just the the re respect uh, that was that was pretty neat from from a player's fraternity level that it's it's neat to 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 see that and feel that and uh, then as I got into the shot or in closer to the green more into the hole um, the ovation got louder and got more you could feel the warmth and you could feel the the, the people from both sides uh, it felt like the whole tournament was right there and. Um, they all had appreciated what I had, I had done here for the years I played. I've won two championships here. My success and all my times I've enjoyed here in Scotland and, and playing, um, I felt like it just all came to a head right there as I was you know, walking to my, uh, my golf ball.
I'm not one who gets very teary-eyed very often about anything, but it's when it comes to the game and you know, the passing on of of just the transitions. You know, I, I was lucky enough in '95 to watch Arnold hit his first tee shot in the second round, and I was going to the range. I didn't. I, I could hear Jack playing. You know, his his last one. I was about probably by four four holes behind him, but just to hear the ovations get louder and louder and louder. I felt that as I was coming in. One other thing he said, Michael, and you touched upon it right at the start of the program, there was no look back at the bridge, which has to be encouraging for everybody. So he certainly didn't rule out playing in other opens, but he did say that in his heart of hearts, he felt that this was his last genuine shot at winning here at St Andrews. So do you think it's perhaps hoping for too much that he will come back in a competitive mode here. Yeah, I think so. You know, Tiger is one of the, the greatest competitors this game's ever seen. I think he still has those competitive instincts, but unfortunately he isn't competitive where it counts most, and that's on the golf course. So we're having to separate Tiger the competitor from Tiger the competitive golfer, and that's the, the problem that he's got right now. That's the grey area he exists in. I'd love to think he can give up one more crack to you know mount a challenge for the Claret Jug. We've seen what Phil Mickelson did in USPG in record-breaking fashion. We've seen Tom Watson come so close to winning at 59, Greg Norman before him. Even Ernie Hills, as I mentioned, rolling back the years. It can be done if you're fit and healthy. Tiger is not fit and healthy. Well, one person who has definitely played his last Open is Mark Kalkovecker, who had the honour of hitting the first ball, first thing this morning. He did stop and wave on the Swilkin Bridge at the end of his round. He posed with his wife, Brenda, who was carrying his bag. Winner of the Open at Troon, of course, back in 1989. Paul, how will you remember Kalk? Well, the first thing to say is what a, a, a fitting tribute to, to finish on the 18th with his wife with him, the one that you love around you as you play your last. So he'll tr uh, treasure that moment. My, my abiding memory is is that slam dunk pitch shot that he held yeah. at Troon uh, on his way to victory all those years ago. And uh, a character in the game, certainly Mark Kalkovecchian, one heck of a player. Michael? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I've had the great pleasure of interviewing Calc a few times and he's always great value, he's very entertaining and I'm glad that he got to come back this year after being unable to play last year and it's the perfect place for him to say farewell, isn't it? I mean, the Swilkin Bridge, that's, that's what every golfer, I'm sure, Paul, you can speak better than I can to that, every golfer wants to wave farewell on that incredible, uh, that incredible bridge just down the down the fairway there. Yeah, well, he had a fantastic career. He has gone out in the best possible manner. Now, we should point out that play is still in progress. As we know, Ernie Els has just walked past us. He, he let out a big sigh. I wondered if Paul might go across bravely and say, oh, Ernie, do you want to come and join our podcast? But I think you did well not to, <laughs> just at this precise moment. Perhaps not. Yeah. But the likes of Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, and the defending champion, Colin Morikawa are still in action, looking up at that big leaderboard. McElroy is currently at nine under par. Of course, he shot a six under 66 on Thursday, so we'll keep updating what they are doing. But it's not looking good for Morikawa because he was, probably still is, two over with two to play. Now, the cut, as we record this podcast, is at level par so it looks Paul as if he will not be here for the weekend what's happened to his game 
Well, I don't think there's too much happened to his game. You know, he's he's still the defending uh, champion as we speak at the minute, although uh, it looks like he may be bowing out th uh, this evening. But it, it's just a putt here and a putt there. As we'll talk later about Cam Smith's wonderful round of, of 64 today. Those putts went in. And for Colin, we know that that's probably the worst part of his game. He's not holding the putts and maybe he's just not hitting them as close. But... He's still playing nice golf. He's just not posting the scores that he needs to contend. What I find fascinating, Michael, in recent months in particular, is how certain players have got to the very top of the game. They win not just one, but two majors in a very short space of time. But for whatever reason, they're not quite able, well, it's understandable, actually, to maintain those sorts of levels. But would you expect Morikawa sooner rather than later to get back up there again yeah of course absolutely I mean it's just uh, it's just a strange spell he's going through just now the, the, I don't think it's ever been a, there's ever been a com as competitive a time in men's golf as there is right now you have to play incredibly well exceptionally well for all four rounds to even contend never mind win these guys have all been raised watching Tiger Woods Tiger Woods has raised the bar for them coming through so I, I think Colin's just having a a strange wee spell is probably the best way I can sum it up just now. <laughs> Fully expect them to come back very soon. Yes, well, we all have strange wee spells at time, don't we? As for Rory McIlroy, well, I mentioned his 66 yesterday. Some highs and some lows today, but he's tucked in, which is what all his fans want. What are you expecting from Rory over the weekend, Paul? More of the same. That seems to have been what's been happening to Rory over the last few years, that he's some unbelievably great golf and some low scores, and then mysteriously dropping out of contention. I don't see that this weekend. I think St Andrews is set up for him. Um, he, he seems to be putting nicely at the minute. I think he, last when I looked, he was eighth on the putting stats, and that maybe have been a weakness for Rory over the last couple of years. So I ex fully expect Rory to be around uh, come Sunday afternoon. Michael, you are a great student of the game. Can you come up with a logical explanation as to why Rory is not able to put together just that little bit more consistency that would almost certainly bring more major titles. There's been a lot of noise in Rory's, between Rory's ears, I think, the past couple of years. Um, you know, he's he's battled some swing demons that I don't think were as severe as he seemed to think that they were. He went down a little bit of a rabbit hole trying to figure that out, brought Pete Cowan into the equation. I think the assumption was that Pete would transform Rory's game because he's transformed everyone else's. He's had great success. That didn't work out. And I think Rory has just, of late, found a little bit of, I know this sounds incredibly zen, but a bit of inner peace. He's just relaxed a bit more. We've seen him come into major championships in recent years with the greatest and you know the most wild new theories as to how he's going to win that week and how he's going to contend, from reading deep books to trying something else zany. Lately, he just seems to have relaxed, and he's just going back to playing freewheeling Rory golf that's what he was that's what he did when he first came out he was swashbuckling and he didn't look like he had a care in the world the cares that he seems to have harbored in recent times don't appear to be there anymore and he seems to just be finding it fun again and with Tiger going home Paul he's going to have even more support isn't he because I think at the start of the week you spoke to most people and they go I want to see Tiger I want to see Rory, so Rory can have the field to himself in that regard. Yeah, I was out yesterday uh, around about Rory's start time and there's no question the warmth 
of the support that Rory had from the crowd here at the Open Championship. Uh, Tiger, obviously, number one, but he's gone. Like you say, he will take over. But I must say today, my game was behind John Daly's and what a great welcome he had onto every tee and every green. So there's no question that the home of golf, they love the former champions. Yes, alas, John Daly faded towards the end of his second round and the 1995 champion will not be here on Saturday and Sunday. Now, don't forget to visit theopen.com or check the official Open app for the day's final leaderboard as another group makes its way up onto the 18th green. And this consists of Mackenzie Hughes, Scott Vincent and Victor Perez. Perez is at three under, so he's nicely positioned. Scott Vincent at one under, shouldn't have any issues. Unfortunately, Mackenzie Hughes at four over par knows that his race is run. Cameron's race most certainly isn't run. And I'm talking about two Camerons. In a moment, Cameron Young. But first, your Cameron, Paul Cameron Smith. Eight under 64 today to take him to 13 under par at the halfway stage. Three birdies in a row to start his round. Two more followed on seven and eight. Another at 10 as he made the turn, then a beautifully judged putt for Eagle on 13. Just how good was he today? He was exceptional. Uh, he played really sensible golf around the golf course, and by that I mean he wasn't chasing flags. He hit his tee shots aggressively in the right spots. He was able to pick his spot, and obviously striking the ball well meant that he'd got the distance control of his irons into the green uh, absolutely spot on. He was helped by the putter. He held a long putt on number one for birdie. That got him off to a good start, followed by good shots at two and three. And a big putt, that was a bonus at eight. So then he's out in five under. And then, of course, the, the huge putt that he held on 14. But I must say, the second shot he hit, he was actually unlucky. He was right in the middle of the fairway off the tee. But in a little um, swale in the middle of the fairway on an upslope, into the wind, 2.75 to go, and I thought, hmm, he'll be pitching here for birdie, and he absolutely smoked it onto the green to about 30 yards and rolled it in. And, and that's the type of thing that on any given day makes the difference between a 64 and maybe a 69. He could have come off there easily have shot 69. I thought, well, I played lovely there today. I just didn't make any putts. Today he made the putts 64. He sits atop of the leaderboard. Yeah, he's become a real force in recent months. Is there a danger, do you think, based on Paul's analysis there, that he might have peaked too soon this weekend? No, I don't think so. I, I think he's playing very similar to the way that he played at the Players' Championship at Sawgrass. Uh, his putter's on fire. And he doesn't look the sort of guy that's bothered by anything. You know, pressure, what pressure? He looks very relaxed about it. And I, as much as I would absolutely love Rory McIlroy to win this week, and no cheering in the press box, but that's who I'm pulling for, <laughs> I, I would be happy for Smith to win too. If you look at the, the season that he's had, the, the, the way he made a great run at the Masters, if he was to finish this year without a major win, it would almost feel like a bit of a disappointment. That's incredible to say about a guy that won the players, that did so well at the Masters, that won in Hawaii. So I'd have absolutely no complaints. Plus, I'd love to see the celebrations. My goodness, can you imagine what he'd get up to with the claret jug? And he says he'll cut his hair as well, I which don't would believe be it for a second. popular with a lot of people. He may lose his strength. Like Samson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Old Stickler Eels, who's been complaining about JT's joggers. Oh, my. Barkley 
Brown's cuffed trousers. What's the, what's the hat called? The uh, the bucket, the bucket, hat. The bucket hat. The, uh, the hoodies. The hoodie. he's, yeah. he's been moaning for the the oh whole my. week about the state of young people these I mean, days. I, have, I have issues with iron head covers and white belts, and to be honest, even yellow golf balls. But hoodies and joggers, I'm okay with. Yeah. <laughs> well, Smith himself believes that his strategy not to be overly aggressive is paying dividends. You know, the course is so short and you can get, you can definitely get ahead of yourself out there. You're um, constantly hitting wedges into greens, but uh, sometimes 30, 40 feet is a great shot and um, just being aware of that. And um, my caddy and I have done a really good job of uh, creating angles into some pins and um, just hitting the right shots into the greens, not trying to get too close to the pins and just a few parts have dropped as well. It's, it's been nice. So all running very smoothly for Cameron Smith, and it's still looking pretty good for Cameron Young as well. Of course, he was our overnight leader after the first round, his eight under par 64. No bogeys on the Thursday. There was a bogey early on Friday, and his putter was a little cold to say the least, but he eventually shot a three under 69 to be at 11 under, only two behind your Cameron. Paul, so how do you see this battle of the Camerons developing? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, you were telling me when you came in that your Cameron didn't make any putts. But I think the, the, the early bogey may just have actually settled him down funny enough. And then, of course, Cam Smith out in front of him shooting all those low numbers. Suddenly you're not in the, the, the limelight, you're now the chaser. And, and so he could probably relax and 69 round here is an exceptional score bearing in mind where the RNA have put the pin positions we've seen them on ground level it's not easy to see on TV but some of the tiny little areas that are flat where the hole has been cut I mean to find your golf ball to sit it near there is like it's great skill being shown by all the competitors this week mm, and to present a further defense of my Cameron Michael <laughs> I've heard Paul saying that a lot of putts went in for Cameron Smith that might not have done or equally a lot of putts that perhaps should have gone in for Cameron Young didn't so he's perhaps thinking tomorrow will be my turn again. Yeah, it's funny, I'm actually enjoying the, the giveaway of Camerons. If, if, if we're giving them away, I'll have Cameron Diaz, please, if that's all right. No, you're having Cameron Tringali and leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'm really impressed by what Cameron Young did today after you know, shooting the lights out yesterday. There was a lot of speculation overnight as to, you know, can he possibly maintain the momentum? Will he will under pressure? My God, he is yet further proof that these young guys that are coming out from the States you know, turning up on tour, he's probably going to win PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, isn't he? Zero fear, and he underlined that with a, a brilliant round today. I, I, he's going to be in the mix, isn't he? Yep, the Camerons will go on and on into the weekend, and so will Cameron Tringali, by the way, because he is at two under par. Explore the rich history of the Open like never before with our interactive timeline, celebrating the journey. Visit thejourney.theopen.com and immerse yourself in golf's original championship. Well, some cheers in the background. I think something special might have happened on the 17th a few moments ago. A few of the seagulls are getting overexcited, the very same <laughs> seagulls that have kept Paul Eels awake all week. Until last night, you said the conditions changed and kept them quiet. Yes, I have a theory that the rain overnight just shut them up. At 4.30 in the morning, yeah. They weren't around. <laughs> so you're hoping for some more rain tonight. That three ball of Mackenzie Hughes, Scott Vincent and Victor Perez have just completed their round. Mackenzie 
four over, so nothing more for him this weekend. Scott Vincent at one under. Victor Perez, three under. Victor Perez, of course, with Scottish roots. Yes, I love it. Absolutely love it. He's based in Dundee. He's uh, he's either engaged or going out with, or perhaps even married now to, to a Dundonian girl, and he's been living there for a few years, so I'm claiming him. Yeah, well, at three under, he could have a big weekend oh, ahead of him. Now, you mentioned the rain that silenced the Seagulls. Has that got something to do, perhaps along with the pin positions, for the much better scoring today? Because the perceived wisdom last night was that we'd effectively have very much the same day as yesterday, and that hasn't quite proved to be the case. No, I think, obviously, that the, the wind wasn't as strong this morning, uh, that the rain softened a little bit. Uh, the, the course and the conditions, the pin positions were just as hard as they were on day one. There's no question about that. But what was really interesting was middle of the way through the afternoon that the wind changed 180 degrees from out of the west where everybody had been practicing all week to out of the east. And so it made the, the back nine a lot longer. So we saw the guys early on in the morning driving the ball onto and through the 18th green. Well, in the afternoon they couldn't get anywhere near that green once the wind had changed round so conditions did change they did affect the scoring but not quite as as we thought it would do and looking ahead to the weekend michael i suspect you'll know more about these things than me a, a londoner out of place <laughs> north of the border but the general impression i've received is that it's going to be a, a pretty mild pretty pleasant weekend weather-wise it appears to be yeah i mean maybe all four seasons in one day because that's what we do in scotland so it really absolutely nothing but it's it's looking good so far i'm like paul i think the the rain has softened up the course a little bit still firm and fiery but it, people want to see birdies and eagles don't they and it certainly it certainly provided the platform for that well several big names did capitalize today adam scott for example seven under for friday and the championship as well tyrrell hatton one shot ahead of Scott for the championship. Six birdies for Hatton on Friday. Dustin Johnson just going about his business in that laid-back fashion of his. You blink and suddenly he's near the top of the leaderboard. Victor Hovland, I know, Michael, caught your eye. Yeah, I'm very impressed by him. I, I didn't really fancy him coming into the week. No particular reason why. I, I, he's just flown so far under the radar again this year, but put together a really good round today and my dark horse over the weekend if I'm being honest. Yeah he's at nine under par we've heard great things about him for such a long time is he finally ready to deliver on the biggest stage of them all Paul do yeah, you think? He is but he scared Sue Thurl and I to death yesterday we were following him and we were stood on the fairway two minutes to go to tee off time still no sign of of Victor anyway he eventually came across the bridge cool as a cucumber stood on the first tee Took his card, smashed it down the middle, and away he's gone. Nine under, and he's, what is he, in third position as we speak? Yes, he's very nicely tucked in at nine under, as you rightly say, with DJ. A little further down the leaderboard, a 66 from Sergio Garcia. Left him at three under, heading into the weekend. He had a pretty horrible round on Thursday. John Rahm and Harold Varner III had much better days today. They both moved to four under with 67s, and the Italian amateur... Filippo Celli shot the same score to finish at three under and make the cut. Are those players at three and four under still in contention, do you think? Mm, not with Cam Smith at 13 under. I think there's too much ground to make up. And if the weather was going to whip up, potentially, you know, players can, as we saw with Paul Laurie back in 99, they can go on a charge in the conditions or they can fall away. But with benign 
forecast. Uh, I, I don't see it. I think the, the winner's going to have to be within six, seven shots of the lead at halfway. I, w I would agree. They're going to have to go, what, 65, 65, something like that, mm -hmm. which is possible. But then they're going to need some help. Oh, wow. hello. What's gone on there? Another huge roar on the road hole. Has somebody managed to chip in from the Could bunker, do we think? Sounds like a That's Rory roar. That's a Rory roar. Yeah. Definitely. That is a Rory roar. Well, Al, our producer, is on the case. So as we continue, he's going to just try and work out exactly what has happened there. But that's just about the biggest roar I've actually heard today. But of course, we weren't here as Tiger walked up the 18th, which would have trumped anything. Well, if you guys are right and you need to be within six or so of the lead, that doesn't rule out young Sahith Trigala of the United States, who had a terrific day today. He's at seven under par, and this is what he's had to say. It's been great. I mean, um, I can't believe how much support I have out here. I think that's been the coolest thing, just hearing my name all around, because this was my first time overseas, and I wasn't sure if anyone would even kind of know me, but it, it's been great getting the support, and walking through town has been, has been a joy, too, to see all the people, and everyone just seems to be having a good time, and the weather's been great, too, so that helps. Well, he's a new name for a lot of people. Not for you, Michael, no. because you know everything. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that, but I've watched him out a little bit this year. He's had a couple of heartbreaks, hasn't he, on the PGA Tour, the Waste Management Phoenix Open in particular. But I love him. I just think he's so entertaining to watch. He's a breath of fresh air. He plays golf with a smile on his face. A, a bit of a Dustin Johnson stride as well. And after those two heartbreaks he's had on the tour, imagine, just imagine he gets his redemption right over there on the 18th green on Sunday. Yeah, that would be quite a story. And by the way, we have found out that huge roar just a few moments ago on the 17th was, as you thought, a Rory roar. He's birdied 17 to go to 10 under. Fantastic stuff. That's what we want and wouldn't put it past Rory to make a birdie up here on the home hole. Well, if we... Uh just pan out this podcast for a few more minutes we might be able to bring you the action from the 18th now I suspect the most frustrated players today or certainly two of the most frustrated were Richard Bland and Emiliano Grillo who both shot four under par 68s today and yet they're both going home paying the price for a slow start yesterday yeah it just goes to show you know you, you can't afford to have a a bad day in a major championship it's it's a shame to see them go home so early particularly Richard Bland you know he he's given us some incredible moments over the last 18 months or so and I feel quite sorry for him it would have been a, a good thing to have him around this weekend yeah now Brooks Kepka is not going to be around either four over par Suddenly a shadow of the man who was winning majors for fun not too long ago. You watched a bit of him today. What's the problem? I watched a lot of him today. I mean, he started off uh, not reaching, well, just about reaching the burn with his second shot from 100 yards at the first. A, a massive miss club. Uh, so that was a bogey five to start his day. He got into contention to make the cut with... Uh, two holes to go and then he flared one into the old course hotel on 17 and that was his race run and I think he finished three over for the for the two rounds he looked like he was striking the ball well he found a couple of unfortunate positions in bunkers uh, and just these slight bounces make things turn you know we could have been talking about Brooks being four under five under um, and going into the weekend with a chance of going low and, and, and winning, but uh, it wasn't meant to be. He's on the wrong side of the scores at the moment, and that's golf. Yeah, 
It is. I, I should just paint the picture at this stage because it is the most glorious summer's evening. The sun is out. We've got lots of blue skies, some fluffy clouds, huge crowds lining the 18th fairway. The giant grandstand behind the green is absolutely packed. There are some members who are peeking out of uh, the balcony. Martin Slumbers himself, I believe, second from the right up there, isn't it? Goodness me, yes, the main man at the RNA. I think we're doing everything that we should be doing. But this is picture perfect, Michael, isn't it's it? It's just wonderful. As I said at the top, I've been fortunate to cover many, many major championships. Been to the Masters a couple of times. I saw Tiger win the Masters in, in 2019. I've been to every open venue on the rota. Nothing beats this. And to be honest, nothing beats this right now. It's just magnificent. And of course, you'd love to see a Scott do well. And <laughs> Bob McIntyre yeah. has a chance. He squeezed through again at level par. He was a little irritable at times that I saw him at one stage. Smashes putter against his bag. I think that his group were put on the clock as well, but he has a habit of sneaking into the weekend yeah. and then making a real mark. Maybe he's going to do that again. Here's hoping, you know, that's now 10 cuts made and 10 major starts for Bob. And that's not what he wants to be known for, though, is it? He wants to make his mark in one of these events. And he's had a couple of backdoor top 10s he opened the past few years. Last year, he made the cut on the number, I think it was, at Royal St George's and then had a phenomenal day on the Saturday, being out early and just able to freewheel it. Low expectations. He has struggled badly in the past few months. And you're right, I think the irritability comes from just not producing the golf that he demands of himself. He has very, very high standards for himself. I just hope he now chills out, relaxes and enjoys the weekend because he plays his best stuff when he's relaxed. And I guess he's feeling the extra pressure as a Scotsman because as we were walking around today I was with Harry Ewing as we followed Cameron Young and young Bob and there were so many fans cheering him sure. on. Of course that's lovely but it also makes you feel like I've got to do something doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's understandable. I think uh, he, he had such a great start to his career on the DP World and in the major championships that his expectation level has risen. And all those putts that did go in when he was competing are now just missing. And so the frustration builds when you don't shoot the scores that you know that you're capable of doing. But that's all part of learning. And bear in mind, it's his first major in Scotland. You know, he made his open major debut at uh, Port Rush in 2019, St George's last year. This is the first time he's played a major in front of a home crowd, different levels. Now, I tell you what, Paul, if you could just talk through some of your career highlights for the next few minutes, we will have time to see Colin Morikawa, Rory McIlroy and Xander Schauffele walk up the 18th. Having played 17 today, Morikawa, as we mentioned earlier, is at plus two. So, if my mathematics is anything to go by, he needs to eagle 18, which is not impossible, though, as you mentioned, yeah. the wind is, is not as favourable in that regard as it was yesterday. And we've got McElroy at 10 under and Xander Schauffele at 4 under. So, career highlights yeah, for Paul well, Eels. That was it. Yeah, uh, thanks very much. Yeah. <laughs> yes. no, I, I actually uh, I did play here in 2000 uh, and then had the weekend off, which was probably uh, what I did in my career but no it is it's such a wonderful place as a player like Michael was alluding to this this is the home of golf this is what and where you want to play and not everybody enjoys playing the old course because it does take a little bit of time to get round with the double greens and the shared fairways etc etc but there's nothing in the world of golf beats that walk 
up the 18th with all those spectators down the right hand side I think my first round the street lights may have been on when I when I was coming up 18 and all the restaurants were closed and you go well, what, what do I do now well you go to bed because you got to get up early the next morning and wow. uh, there's a ball, a ball that coming. Yeah. almost made it oh and it's just going to roll back off the front but, of the green but with no wind in the colder temperatures now yesterday that would have been in the middle of the green yep. um, and putting downhill for an eagle but probably get the putter out well it's still moving that golf ball well, as they start to walk up the 18th, let's have a quick mention for the amateurs and the silver medal contest. Now, we touched upon Filippo Celli a little earlier. Barkley Brown, well, we mentioned his bucket hat, bucket hat. <laughs> but that's not what he's going to be remembered for this week because he's made the cut to four under 68 on Thursday. He's followed that with a two under 70 to be the best placed of the amateurs at six under par, which is no mean effort, Michael. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny, the old course always seems to produce some amateur dramatics, if you'll excuse the terrible pun. You think back to Paul Dunn here in 2015, almost won it. Uh, I remember Lloyd Saltman had a phenomenal um, performance in 2005. Nice to see Barkley playing as well as he did. He looks like a cool kid, doesn't he? You know, he's, it's like he's almost walked straight from the Reading and Leeds Festival right up here to the old course. And, <laughs> yeah. ah, he's just fun to watch, isn't he? Yeah. I think, Michael, if you, if you look at the talent hotbed that's coming out of Sheffield in South Yorkshire yes. there, you know, he's, yeah. he's, he's right there from the same golf club as Matt Fitzpatrick and Alex Fitzpatrick, Matt's brother who we played with in the Walker Cup. So there's no surprise that you know, he's out here and he's enjoying himself, bearded as an amateur. Are you saying Sheffield's the new home of golf? Well, no, I didn't Steady say that. On, I Paul. said it's a talent, <laughs> talent hotbed is what I said. The great and thing, Danny Willett, of course. Of Danny, Danny Willett. Willett. The, the great thing, we're going to get a huge cheer in a moment, but the great thing is that he was able to back up that four under yesterday. Often you see one good round and then, alas, understandably, it's not backed up he's done that he has exactly and I mean you know in some ways the Open presents a good opportunity for these guys because that's the type of course they're playing in all the, the big tournaments from the, the Lytham Trophy to maybe not so much the Brabazon Trophy but the Amateur Championship as well so it's, it's golf that suits them but look at this scene here my goodness well we can look you can listen this is sensational You can only imagine, Michael, Paul knows to a degree, you can only imagine what that must feel like when the applause is directed at you. I've got goosebumps, genuinely. It's, uh, it's not just because of the temperature, that, that's an incredible ovation. And Paul thought that his commentary for the day was over, but I'm glad <laughs> you're here because you're going to be able to identify who is where. Well, and it's what a each of them have got to do. Yeah, it's a slightly different scene that I had. I think there were, the dustbin men were emptying the bins when I came <laughs> up here <laughs> all those years ago. But we've got uh, Colin Morikawa. He's our man at the moment. He needs to hold this shot from around about 40 yards with the Valley of Sin to negotiate to make the cut. Currently two over par. Rory is in the Valley of Sin by the looks of things. And... Uh, the third player, Xander Schofler. His was the ball that reached the front of the green and then just tiptoed back. But he'll be having a putt, so I think it'll be that order. Morikawa, then McElroy, then Schofler to play. And we're keeping an eye on what they do. Just while we're on the subject of the amateurs, uh, Aaron Jarvis and Sam Bairstow are also through for the weekend. So we're going to have, hopefully, a real battle for the silver medal. 
Yeah, shoot out for the silver would be fantastic. And we're looking right now at one of the very few players that has won both the silver medal and the claret jug, Rory McIlroy. Of course, won the, the silver medal, was it Carnoustie 2007, I believe? So, and then backed it up seven years later with the, the claret jug. It's now eight years on from that, and oh, it would be wonderful if he did it, wouldn't it? Well, absolutely. And irrespective of what happens here, and of course, we all want Colin Morikawa to squeeze through, but the quality of the leaderboard going into the weekend is certainly befitting of the, the 150th Open, isn't it? It certainly is. Uh, Cameron Smith sitting at the top, Cameron Young, then Rory, Dustin Johnson, Victor Hovland. You've, you've got champion names all the way. Colomara Kawa going. Oh, so there's a major champion and the defending champion who won't be with us. He went for the high floated shot and has uh, knocked it to round about 10 feet past the hole, but not in as he needed to do. Well, plenty of encouragement now for Rory had that huge roar, if you'll excuse the pun after birding 17. And now he's got an opportunity to perhaps get to 11 you, under par. You always feel, Marcus, though, that experience links players keep the ball on the ground. And I think Rory's out with the putter now, only just slightly closer to the hole than Colin. Colin went with a lofted shot. The experienced players around these links courses get it on the ground. It's the best chance you have of getting it close or in. Very rarely see them flying through the air. And because we are adjacent to the 18th green, we can fully appreciate the bumps and the contours of the Valley of Sin. The ball is on its way. If it goes in, you won't hear me, that's for sure. But it hasn't. It's, it's just slid by. And perhaps it slid by a little more than in an ideal world Rory McIlroy would have wished. Certainly, yeah. He would be looking just to knock that up the tap-in range. It's obviously a very tricky putt from down there, but it looks from here like he's got, what would we say that is, four or five feet left, maybe slightly more yeah. for Birdie. And the thing is, he's coming back down the hill there as well. He probably, If he was going to leave it anywhere, he wanted to leave it short, I would say. Goodness me, is this deja vu? I've just heard another huge cheer from the 17th. Our producer, Al, is going to be saying, oh, boys, can you stay for the next three coming out of the green? No, that will make it too long a podcast, but he will find out who's likely to have been the beneficiary of that latest roar. Meanwhile, ball back on the 18th. Yeah, Xander popped the driver just short, as we say, rolled back down to this position. So he's around about 20 paces to the flag. Up the hill, got the putter out. Needs to give this a bit of a wrap. It will break from right to left. It's on its way and it's going stone dead. That's the putt Rory wanted. That's the one Rory wanted. Well, he's the four man Chauflay coming in, isn't he? He really is. Three wins in the bounds. Two and a half. I mean, the JP McManus. But then again, what a field it was that he beat. So four in a row, I always thought was going to be a little bit too much of an ask. And where he is in the leaderboard, if he knocks that and he's going to be, am I right in saying five under par? He, yeah, he's going to tap that in for five, so maybe just too far back. Well, we'll just make sure that he does tidy up here. I can see so many people craning their necks out of hotel windows on top of balconies. In it goes. So now Rory steps back onto the green, places his ball, just prods down a little bit of turf like a batsman in the middle of a test match. 
and then goes behind the hole. He'll crouch down again. Perfection is always demanded. I think it's something that amateur golfers are very poor at. And having squatted down, he gets back up again, walks back, is over the putt, and it is... Oh, oh not going to go in. It's not quite the perfect end of what's been a fantastic Friday. And that, of course, will frustrate him. Hit the edge and came out, and that's where Rory's been just over the last couple of seasons. He would have thought that he's hit a good putt there. It didn't make the drop, but he's still in there, isn't he? That's significant. Ten. That makes dinner taste a little bit... Mm, not, not quite as tasty, perhaps. But I think he'll be fine. <laughs> I really do think he'll be OK. Yeah, he'll get a better dinner than us, I suspect. More, like, more than likely. I'm, I'm in the same house as Paul. I think it's his turn to do the cooking, which means sandwiches. No, it's a fish supper for us. Again? Again. That's Morikawa just tidying up there, rolling in for a birdie, I think it was, Marcus. It's not going to be enough, No, unfortunately. He has just missed out, as Ernie Else did a little earlier on the 18th. So that's about it as far as the significant action today is concerned. Paul, thank you very much indeed for your company. Paul Eels will be back uh, on the radio and on the course tomorrow. And Michael McEwen as well. Great Absolute to have your pleasure. expertise once more. Enjoy the weekend. Thank now, you. a reminder, the final leaderboard for Friday can be found on the open.com and the official open app. So for the definitive guide of who did what and when and who didn't make the cut, head there. And while you're there, you can also find the open radio. We will be back on air at 9 a.m. Saturday morning. And of course, do subscribe to the open podcast so you don't miss tomorrow's episode. So it will be moving day at the Open on Saturday, but there have been few days as moving as this one. From me, Marcus Buckland, and all the team, goodbye. Experience Royal Troon like never before with Origins Premium Experiences at the 152nd Open. With unrivaled on-course views of the action, fully inclusive dining and drinks, and world-class service, you and your guests will leave with memories that will last a lifetime. Oh, that's just unbelievable. Origins Premium Experiences are now on sale at theopen.com forward slash hospitality. This has been an original audio production from The Open.